Welcome to a new episode of the Startup Diaries podcast brought to you by Bern Sheehan, a leading technology recruitment business in London and Manchester. In this episode, we have Jamie Smith-Webb, who's the CTO of Newman. Newman provides healthcare for men to treat common health conditions through personalized plans. They offer integrated care, including diagnostics, medication, supplements, one-to-one clinical care and digital programs in one digital platform to help patients take control of their health. Uh, in this episode, Jamie talks us through how he's transitioned Newman from an e-commerce business to a, to a service organization, diving into technical challenges behind it. He talks us through the challenges around digitizing the health sector, particularly around regulations and innovation. Jamie then touches on how the nature of the product has impacted the diversity of their employees and their plans for growth in the near future. And then finally, I asked Jamie about his impressive career to date as he talks through how he's adapted to progressing through the various levels of leadership, including the jump to managing managers. We think it's a great episode. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Jamie. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much. Great to be here. Do you want to dive in and tell us a bit about yourself and the story behind Newman? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm the CTO of Newman. Newman are a digital healthcare provider for men. And our mission really is to uh, help men live happier and healthier lives, essentially. We do that through looking at uh, a number of health conditions that men suffer from, especially in the kind of midlife. Of conditions you group together called the metabolic syndrome, which is basically a fancy way of saying things like erectile dysfunction, hair loss, unwanted weight, low testosterone, high cholesterol, high blood pressure all those things linked together uh, makes a thing called a metabolic syndrome. Interesting. I think when, one of the things about the business to dive into it then is it's transitioned from more of an e commerce business into a service business. Yeah. Um, so, do you want to talk us through that journey and what the key challenges were? Yeah, so um, when Newman started, they were selling uh, prescription, non-prescription medication online. So basically uh, an online pharmacy. Mm. Um, and that started to grow really well. There was a market for that, and that's really good. But as I mentioned, there's a load of conditions that are all interrelated. So they started off with erectile dysfunction medication, basically Viagra and, and others, like generic medicines online. Um, but as we started to understand more about our patients, our customers, they suffer from a number of things. So they weren't just looking for pills, they were looking for treatment, like proper treatment. So mm. with erectile dysfunction, for example, capability of weight, your sleep, your level of stress, your um, cholesterol, your blood pressure. So we started to develop a way of thinking about our customers and patients more holistically. And that proceeded like a shift in our thinking of, instead of just saying, you know, buy cheap pills, yeah. it's like, we can help you treat. And so from a technology perspective, one of my main jobs is to help the company transition from uh, a level of customer experience, buying the pills, getting a shopping cart, to a uh, in-app experience, a web experience, a set of uh, communication from Newman that makes it feel like we care about your treatment. Mm-hmm. So things like building a medical platform that's patient-centric, uh, that understands all the information we can know about you, uh, that you've told us, that helps our clinicians treat, plus that kind of digital experience. The two big investment areas really for Newman are the medical platform for us mm. and this whole world of digital experience, making that a lot more holistic for men. Yeah, well, like I was, I was saying to you off air, <clears throat> since we first spoke, I did do the no fear <laughs> nice. blood test. So scared the life out of me having to give <laughs> my own blood and do it to myself. I think it looked like a bit of a, there'd been a, an accident on my kitchen table when my wife came down in the morning. I was just, because <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, yeah, wasn't the best at trying to get the best out of it. But like the, the experience, the speed and the kind of turnaround and the information I got, and I guess the challenges around that for you, you know, having been to, you talked about building that experience. I mean, it was great from my side of things, mm-hmm. but what have been 
taking that customer journey, is that yeah. any particular that stood out for you? Yeah, so if you look at, the blood test is a really good example. So you do a blood test and historically you do a blood test and we kind of, uh, other companies do the same thing. We tell you what your blood test means. Yeah. So we give you a number of markers. Um, but after that, like, what do you do? Yeah. And we talked before about kind of on the lower end of testosterone, for example, that's interesting to know, but what do you do about it? Mm-hmm. And so the holistic experience, building a, uh, a platform and a, and a set of technologies that take people on the journey to say, okay, so we've identified you've got low testosterone or you have high cholesterol. Um, what we can do is we can introduce a doctor consultation for someone to talk to you about it and say, here's what it means, here's what it doesn't mean, your stage of life means this. Can I know a bit more about, you know, do you have young kids, are you sleeping well, high level of stress? And then we can lead on to, okay, these are indicators that you are now increasing your risk of, uh, let's say, heart disease or stroke or type 2 diabetes. And so we can start having a conversation and saying maybe medication is a good thing, maybe lifestyle changes, nutritional changes are, are needed. So if you think about it, it's gone from sending something in the post, sending it back, mm-hmm. and getting like basically a PDF readout to uh, a consultation with the clinician who's going to want to know more about you and store that information, potentially medication to help you, um, a plan, a nutritional uh, exercise plan. All these things need to be stitched together in a way that feels like, feels like Newman, mm-hmm. and from our perspective, from the patient's perspective, feels integrated. So doing all that in a world where people are used to having like, again, the best way to describe it is almost like the Apple type experience. Everything's packaged, it looks nice, it feels nice, it's yeah. slick. Doing all that is like a tough challenge, especially in healthcare. Yeah. The interesting bit that came back for me actually was I need to drink more tea. Less tea, sorry. Less mm. tea. Definitely less. <laughs> like it was like you, you know, the amount of caffeine that I take within a day, it was like limited to four. Yeah, okay. And I've started yeah. doing that. Yeah. And ironically, I feel better for it. Um, but because I've got an 18 year old daughter the last you know, two years it yeah, then really exactly. have been just like just get through it just have another yeah. cup of tea and it became kind of I guess like my cigarette I don't smoke so yeah. it would be like if I needed to change up I'd go have a cup of tea yeah. and it became like not an addiction as such but it became a too big a part of my life so yeah. it, it, I got told from you and yeah chill it out now four yeah that's and, and that's that's the great thing that's the going to like the holistic thing it's, mm. it's not just uh so easy to say I don't do this do this sometimes it needs okay so you're you know, raising a young family okay let's like change some of the parameters here let's yeah. like, ease this give you some guidance and help to kind of move along the journey rather than saying you should never do this or you should always do this yeah one of the things though diving into it sounds like you know, it's a rapidly growing company with it sounds like potential more funds uh, rounds of funding coming yeah. up yeah. what challenges do you see ahead then to achieve the goals uh, you know, if you do go raise more funds and how do you think that it will differ from previous funds? So I think there's probably two, two angles to that, I would say. Um, in the kind of economic environment we're in now, where people look for growth, there are um, investors, uh, VCs wanted to see growth. Now they want to see profitability. Yeah. So when we approach uh, something like our next uh, round of funding, it's great to show growth. We've got to show growth. Um, so it's a grown company, it's something that can be more than what it is today, but more importantly, it's profit. We've mm. got to be able to make the company profitable. Mm. So that's the big shift from uh, the next round of funding. And the other one, so we've done Series B, the next funding, when we do it, will be Series C. We need to demonstrate a level of, I guess, like maturity as a business. So things like cybersecurity has got to be 
markedly better than it, than it was before. A level of uh, process and control, as kind of boring as that sounds. Um, when people look for investing in the CVC company, they want to know that you know we're growing responsibly. It's not just like held together with sticky tape in the background. Mm. Um, we want uh, a level of maturity across our leadership, across our processes, our technology, and especially in healthcare, uh, patient safety is paramount. So we want to make sure we are very well regulated and all the processes from that perspective are good. So it's really a step up in maturity, I would say. Good. And then one, one of the things I'd love to dive into, because we had previously had Sahana Gopal, who's from Wild AI, which is a women fitness, women health, female health um, tech platform. You're obviously then, and have, have a men's health platform. Love to dive into actually the hiring diversity on that, because, you know, I, I don't know what this is me speaking sort of, and as an ignorant person, I think <laughs> trying to be ignorant here anyway. In particular, does it have an effect on the diversity? Is it more tricky to get you know women into the, the side of things for Newman? Um, I would say generally, yeah, it is more difficult um, if you're looking for, uh, and many uh, many people do these days looking for like a mission led company. Mm. You tend to look at or be attracted to missions that resonate with you. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, maybe women have male partners or brothers or fathers or, mm-hmm. or stuff like that. So there is a level of kind of connection there. But uh, I would say it's probably slightly harder to get a funnel, a uh, recruitment funnel, that is uh, as diverse as it could be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've got to be definitely mindful of that. And it's, it's, it's hard, especially when, you know, as you're growing kind of rapidly as we did last year, uh, you have a need for these roles, that's why they're open, you yeah. can kind of grow the team. Um, and so it can be a real struggle with a kind of men's brand yeah. um, to be sure that we're kind of being holistic and really looking at the, the pipeline properly. Yeah, absolutely interesting. And I think one of the other challenges I'd like to understand is about digitizing healthcare sector as well. Like as a technologist, I'm sure there's regulation, you know, yeah. you're trying to be innovative yeah. and there's a hurdles to overcome, but is there anything specific or ones that you've had to, to dive into really? So, um, as you say, in, in healthcare, patient safety is the most important thing. And so the way in which the industry makes sure that's uh, upheld is we're regulated by, I think, five or six different regulators. Oh, okay. And they inspect us like they would a GP surgery, uh, like a, a doctor surgery, um, to be sure that we are doing the right things. The other thing that we should be rightly wary of is there's something called a med- medical device, which is... Uh, think of it like a list of rules that creates an outcome so if you gave me all the information and I kind of churn it through and spit out a treatment plan or a, a medication you should take you can't create a piece of software that does that without it being heavily regulated so and that thing is called a me- medical device so we've stayed clear of making any medical device because the process to get one approved is about 18 months ah right okay yeah. um, and so we want to do it in weeks not mm. months so it's very difficult it's the, the kind of good friction between the regulation in the industry which should be there it's needed there to sec- uh, make sure patients are secure and safe and innovation from a technical perspective mm. so we've got to find a way of embracing the regulation and the safety but innovating at pace and the way our patients and our customers want different experiences better experiences we've got to figure out a way of kind of navigating through that through that maze which is really really tough yeah well, we'll dive into i want to dive into your background and your journey in a minute but obviously it's quite fintech heavy or financial heavy so then yeah. when you made the jump over to newman 
learning that regulation? Was it, I guess, not similar because you've been in fintech, so you're used to regulation, yeah. but were there key things that you had to, to dive and learn into? Learn? Yeah, I think the, I came from fintech, uh, perhaps naively thinking, oh, I've been in a regulated industry, like I know regulation, I know <laughs> regulators, it's fine, we do an audit every now and again, yeah. we have to be secured safe, uh, as long as we've processes are good, that's fine. In healthcare, it's like 10 steps up. Right, okay. <laughs> it, it is in-depth. Um, and I mean, it sounds relatively morbid, but it's important to remember that some, in some cases, if we get a medication wrong, treatment wrong, we could kill somebody. Mm. Um, as any healthcare company, doctor, NHS could if they do the wrong thing. So the level of scrutiny that we go through at first seems uh, immense, but then you understand the reasons for it. Mm -hmm. It kind of makes a lot of sense. And so, for example, we get inspected. Uh, people come into our offices, look at our office, look at how we um, uh, do our business, look at our processes, technical safety, uh, our procedures, how our clinicians work, how we hire people. They go into every detail of our, of our business. So from fintech, yes, level of regulation, and that's great. Uh, and there's some flexibility there. In healthcare, it's definitely a good few steps up from, from that. Yeah. Interesting. Well, let's dive into your background because obviously you've got a very impressive career to date. Um, one of the things I'd love to learn really is how you adapted to pro progressing through the different levels of leadership yeah. and then also with particular emphasis on managing managers. So I think it's probably something that's overlooked a little bit on our podcast and, and probably out there in the market. Yeah, so there's probably, I'd maybe pull on two threads. One is something that never changes about uh, and it took me, this can sound relatively embarrassing, but it took me ages to figure out that in management and leadership, you have to manage like the human in front of you. Um, I used to come to conversations with whether it was managers or individual contributors with a preconceived idea of what I want this role to be, mm -hmm. what I want the performance to look like and the expectations of it. And I managed that way, very almost like one dimensionally. Mm -hmm. These days I've figured out that just got to manage the person in front of you. So you have expectations and so do they. So let's have that discussion, figure out how they can fulfill those roles. So I think that never changes. Right. Whether it's a manager, a director, a VP, individual contributor, a junior engineer, that is the thread that's, that's through it, uh, the whole thing. The different, the other thread I would pull on is uh, the difference in individual contributors and managers. And I think the way in which I think about it is individual contributors your role as a manager is to reduce uncertainty is to give them really good alignment um, help them understand with clarity what they need to do give them uh, really clear goals objectives and they can they can deliver that really really well when you start managing managers it is completely different and um, you know the role there is to try and get alignment through outcomes like mm -hmm. try and say you know at some point we want to have this outcome this metric this change in behavior um but you almost want to increase ambiguity and give them their managers because they're, uh, they're competent they're experienced mm -hmm. they want to be challenged and they want to be challenged in multiple dimensions so you've got to figure out a way of giving them enough ambiguity for them to solve the problems themselves mm -hmm. and enough alignment and enough autonomy so managing managers is incredibly tough because not only is it's the person that's in front of you, their skills, their experience, their background, you've also got to not manage them too much, mm -hmm. but not take your hands off too much. In the early days, I managed like I like to be managed. So I kind of said to people, like, here's the goal. 
let me know how you get on uh, and obviously for some people it was great most people it was like what on earth I don't know what I'm doing what's the goal like what does it mean what's the context how do I do it so for managing managers for me it's about balancing that autonomy and alignment and empowerment those three are really really important yeah no I must I, I, it hits home with me because I have four managers that are reporting to me and they all got very very different ways of approaching things and needing yeah. information in a different way that's the biggest challenge for yeah. me like, yeah. you know, if you're talking to a room of them, how to get the information in front of them yeah. and they're all absorbing it in the same and what you're wanting them to do. But, it's yeah. basically impossible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got to find a way of like just dealing with the, the complexities of that. Mm. Um, I've had times I've done the same thing. I'll sit in a room or on a Zoom call um, and explain this problem we're going to face or this opportunity we have and think, well, I've nailed that. Everyone's got information. Yeah. And everyone's doing very different things after a few weeks. And I said, like, how did we get this so wrong? And you know, they reply back to me what they heard. Yeah, yeah. I said, like, oh my goodness, it's so different to what I said. Yeah. So each of them kind of absorb it differently. Um, which is why their expectation and alignment thing is so key. Um, and I, uh, to be honest, I got that so wrong uh, in the kind of previous years of making all these assumptions about when I was managed by someone looking after individual contributors, I assumed I knew what they meant, mm -hmm. and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't express it, and so that's that's, that's quite a, a tough chance to go over once you start walking down that path. Yeah, one of the phrases I use with my managers is "this what you say and then what is heard." Yeah, yeah, so, yeah that's uh, a great one. Yeah, 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 and it's especially when I've addressed the whole team. So I remember in the previous uh, years gone by, I said something to the team, and it wasn't meant in a negative way. It was just correcting something that needed to be corrected across the team and someone thought I was just pinpointing them yeah. and took it to real like Chris has annoyed with me and I was yeah. like how did you get to that yeah. like where do where? so it's like yeah I sometimes have to say again this is not aimed at everyone yeah. at all or anyone in specific but just so we know we need to be doing this going forward um, but yeah that it, that's when it really hit home with me yeah. that you say it and it's absorbed in a different way yeah. and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. especially with that you're building a diverse team as well people think in different completely yes. different ways yeah. so yeah. Um, but that's no, awesome I mean, what, one of the things I also like to, to throw to you then is what's been the biggest challenge then in your career to date Oof. I think it's mainly been so I'll talk about the last like five or so years maybe five ten years and it's been creating a sustainable pace Mm -hmm. I'll put it that way. Creating a way that I can build in an ability for me to turn up every day in the best possible shape, like mm -hmm. mentally, physically, to do my best work. Mm -hmm. um, years gone by, I assumed people did well by hustling all day, every day, and you just keep going, keep yeah. going, keep going. So the biggest challenge for me has been finding the balance. And that sounds really meta, but um, it genuinely has been a, a theme of mine for five, ten years, and one of the reasons I was attracted to Newman was finding a way of being happier and healthier every day. Mm. Not just like at some point I'll work out, or I'll do like a half marathon twice a year, whatever. It's the day-to-day -day finding the balance so I can approach my role as a manager, as a leader, um, in the best shape possible because one of the things I didn't appreciate uh, too much before was what you do and how you do it is amplified mm -hmm. when you're in a leadership role and so if you turn up stressed you go to meetings late you're ill-prepared you're snappy you're grumpy you look tired people pick up on that and mm -hmm. they think that's what leaders are and so the way you exhibit that is amplified through 
Uh, so that's been probably my biggest challenge is getting that balance right. Yeah. Is there anything specific that you do? Is it fitness related or is it some people do yoga, for example? That's a yeah. good thing for them. So um, I'm a big believer in habits. Mm-hmm. So I do a small amount of exercise every day, yeah. every morning. It doesn't have to be much. So uh, this morning is a 30 minute exercise. Uh, some days I do 10 minutes stretching. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes like a 40 minute run if I'm feeling particularly energetic. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I find that kind of set of habits to build me up for the day. So I've got like five habits to do in the morning. One is like drink a glass of water every morning, mm-hmm. take a couple of vitamins, mm-hmm. do a bit of exercise and do a bit of journaling. Those are the four things I do right. every morning. Well, let's say every morning. Some days are harder than others. Some days I skip the journaling because I don't have time. But having the kind of base set of things that I know will set me up mm-hmm. for the day and that continues through the weeks, through the months. That's kind of the, the main thing I touch on. What's the journaling aspect in it then? Because I'll, I'll be honest, I do a lot of the other bits myself, okay. but the journaling I definitely have not thought about at all. It's um, actually something I struggle with for ages. Mm. I, I always got told, oh, journaling is great. Like do mm. a, a gratitude journal mm. or like uh, check in with yourself. And I was mm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah fine. Mm. Like, uh, and I never quite stuck. And then I got a, uh, I bought something called, it's called the Mind Journal. And it's a journal for men. Mm-hmm. And it takes you through a number of exercises to get you thinking. And so now every morning I do like a, I do a check-in. So there's a list of um, emotions mm-hmm. and it's like no judgment. You can put as many in as you want or one if, if you're feeling it. Uh, and then I look at what um, am I optimizing for today? Mm-hmm. And what am I grateful for? Uh, what am I excited about? And what have I been avoiding? Mm-hmm. So just spend, it's literally like two, three minutes. Sometimes on the, on the tube on the way in, just writing through that doesn't sound big. You do it once. It's like, well, I didn't feel any different. But after a few weeks, you start just to realize you've nailed a few goals a bit better. And mm-hmm. um, you're a bit more pleasant to be around. <laughs> like you appreciate a lot more that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the what am I avoiding bit? That's been big for me. Right. Because there's things in the back of all our minds we are ignoring. Um, whether it's... Um, uh, so for me... Recently, it's been talking about uh, AI, mm-hmm. generative AI, because it always felt a little bit like, I don't know a huge amount about it. I'm the CTO, I should know. There's a bit of embarrassment there. Um, so I wrote it down a few times. I'm avoiding talking about it. I'm avoiding writing it down. And that just pushed me a bit further to right. say, go and do it. But my journey started with that Mind Journal thing. It was brilliant. Uh, I never quite clicked until I started to, started to use that. So the, book, the book's called The Mind Journal. Yeah. Right. Okay. You can get it online. It's like mm-hmm. 30 quid for quite chunky uh, journal and for me it worked right. it really, really got me into journaling properly yeah. from that point awesome I'll, uh, I'll take note on that one I'd also like to ask you about what you think the best investment that you've made in your career is to date so undoubtedly there's two things I did and they're all in the same subject so years and years ago uh, I when I became VP of engineering at Funding Circle I struggled to figure out what VP of engineering does right so I joined a mentoring circle, okay. um, which is 12 people in similar or similar sized companies that's facilitated by a experienced coach. And oh my goodness, that unlocked so much. It was, you know, uh, a few hundred quid a month, um, which isn't a small amount to pay. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the payback was massive. Just sitting and getting uh, kind of mentoring and help. You could raise any topic, didn't mm-hmm. matter. Um, but we all could help each other through difficult periods, help each other pick the right opportunities, um, discuss like what's going on in the industry. It was fantastic. 
And that led me on to um, specific CTO coaching, which I still have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I meet my coach every couple of weeks. And again, it's not necessarily a cheap thing to do. And I put it off for a while because it was expensive. Um, but it just made a massive difference. I definitely wouldn't have the role I've got today or be as happy or, and healthy and uh, focused as I am today without a coach. Mm-hmm. It's just immeasurable how much over the years it's changed. Mm-hmm. Again, like the journaling, it's not as if I did one session. I thought, oh my God, I'm an amazing CTO now. Mm-hmm. It's more a case of uh, every time I had a bit of a crisis um, or I was doing something that wasn't quite right or wasn't spotting the right opportunity, my coach just asked me a set of questions that got it out of me, allowed me to see things in a different perspective. Um, I'll give you an example. When I was struggling at a funding circle trying to figure out what to do, he just led me through, like, have you had this conversation yet? I was like, no, I haven't. And said, why don't you have that? Just start there. Go and talk to this person, ask them these five questions, start there. Yeah, but they're probably, no. Like, just start there, go and ask these questions. And that led me on to a journey of discovery that I thought the environment was failing me. Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't have clear goals, things aren't going well. It was me. Obviously, yeah. it was me. I wasn't being clear about my expectations or aligning myself. So things like that are just immeasurable. What's interesting is, and it might have come from when we put this together and you talked about it, but I've had a couple of people mention mentoring. Yeah. I've had two sessions myself now. Oh, really? I think I'm pretty sure if you think about it, it would have been our conversation. And I was like, okay, putting <laughs> this together. And then a couple of weeks later, I had like an epiphany. Like, I need to just get it done. Yeah. So I've started. Yeah. It's now you find it. Good. It's come away with, I feel like at the end of every session, there's like a, it's not obviously a full hour, but it gets to a point where it's like, well, I get told like a bit of an epiphany in the session where it's like a bit of a bit of a slap around the face or realization where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Ah, yeah. But yeah, okay, I need yeah, to yeah. take that on board and actually yeah, yeah. take it forward. So it's been powerful so far, yeah, but two in. Yeah. Um, so thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> final question then to throw to you then. If you were uh, advising someone who was looking at joining a startup tomorrow, what bit of advice would you give them? So um, I would say... Um, see yourself as a bit of a Swiss Army knife. Um, one of the mistakes we can make when we go to startups is thinking that we need the specialist skill that you have and it's like the thing that you need to turn up and be, mm-hmm. which is true to an extent, but often in startups, there's no problem that has one dimension to it. Everything's everyone's problem. Um, and certainly if you're going into a leadership role or a role that has influence and impact, um, you can help. A huge amount just by asking questions and being interested whether it's in the financials of the business the strategy of the business and um, the technical nature of what's going on the, the technical strategy and um, the operational side these are all areas that i've helped newman with mm. just by turning up and thinking uh, i've got a set of skills a way of thinking it's probably different um i'm going to apply that everywhere i can and that's the biggest piece of advice we give you going to a startup approach it like you've got a specialism but you're a generalist you've yeah. got to be a generalist um, and that's where you'll create so much value you'll get so much from it as well awesome well look I think we'll wrap it up there but Jamie thanks for joining us I hope you enjoyed it yes fantastic thank you very much Christian. Cheers.